All right, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Tune In A Podcast. We are the Southern Hemisphere's best and only dedicated podcast to all things Newcastle United. And I've got Jack with me tonight to talk about and celebrate the amazing win at the city ground early on this morning for us or late evening for everyone back in the UK. How are you doing, Jack? I am fantastic. I've had a good day. It's uh, I think... Winning a, winning a football match on a Saturday morning for us is probably the best time to do it because it just sets the week up really nicely, weekend up really nicely. So I've been, and the, the manner of the win, which we'll obviously get into, but it just, put, it just you just feel the buzzing all day. You just feel so good all day about things. And it's been already been a good week after beating Wolves. So what a big, what a big six days for us. Uh, it's just been absolutely amazing. I've been out there. Uh, been out in Brisbane today where it's been extremely hot, um, but I was out seeing some friends and having some lunch, so that was really good. So, yeah, it's been a really good day today, um, all because of Newcastle United, and it's nice to say that again. It is indeed. Uh, so, if you've been living under a rock for the last 14 hours or so, uh, you may not have noticed that Newcastle United came away from the city ground with a 2-1 win and a few contentious decisions within the 90 minutes plus of game, in which no doubt we will get into. Uh, but we're just going to jump straight into this. But before we do, just a quick little uh, reminder for those, if you haven't already subscribed to our YouTube channel, please do. It really helps us out massively. Give us a thumbs up on this channel. And if you are one of our audio listeners, please uh, give us a comment, rate us five stars if you can, and tell all your friends about it too. Spread the word that Tune in the Pod is on the rise. And let's get into this, starting with the lineups. So, uh, Forrest being the home team, uh, we'll get their slide up first. Uh, I'm going to read out the start 11. So, in goal, they've got Navas, and Tune Boy, John Joe Shelby, Gibbs White, Nia Carte, Johnson, Yates, who was captain in the squad for that day. Don't believe he is their full-time captain. Aurier, Dennis, Lodi, Ayu, and Felipe. Um, that's not 11, Jack. Anybody in there that would give cause of concern before kickoff for you? Well, Brennan Johnson was apparently a doubt for this game. He had some kind of injury after last weekend, and he's probably been their best player, certainly the biggest goal threat this season. Um, so it was a bit a bit concerned, I suppose, to see him in the team. But you just don't know what's going on with Forrest. Like obviously we know John Joe well, but and Chris Wood wasn't available for this game, but like you know, they've signed 30 players since the summer. So <laughs> they signed a new team in the in the summer and then they signed, you know, a lot of players in January as well. So it's just impossible to know how they're gonna line up or really what, what they're gonna do or how they're gonna play, uh, which makes it a little bit unpredictable. Um, noticed that they had Andre Ayu as well, who I think they signed on a free uh, in January after he rejected Everton or something like that. So Forrest have been Forrest have been a real story like this season, and it'll be really interesting to see what happens with them. Um, but yeah, I think John Joe, John Joe, there. We on the on the preview, the the lads are talking about Shelby and how he would know a little bit about or a lot about the way that Newcastle were going to play um, and, you know, how we might set up. Um, so he was a bit of a mole in the, mole in the camp there. Um, but yeah, the Forest's team is just kind of a bit all over the place, really. Uh, very random, kind of hodgepodge of a team. So it was always going to be interesting to see how they played and how, how it worked all together. 
Yeah, they can name, I think it was like three different starting 11s and you'd still be uh, guessing who's going to be up there. A bit of a weird way to uh, make a return to the Premier League, signing all those players. But it seems to be working so far as they're no longer in the bottom three. So we'll get on to the Newcastle squad. Uh, now, this was an unchanged lineup from the victory against Wolves at St. James's. Uh, there was one or two omissions from this one, with the main one being Miggy. Uh, mm. Now, it came to light just before kickoff, I believe it was, that he picked up a, a foot injury. Is that correct, Jack? Uh, thigh, I think. I think it might be a thigh injury or so. Uh, it was when the team came out, it was the middle of the night. So uh, I wasn't. And I wasn't on Twitter, so I didn't know what, what was going on with that. But yeah, I think it's a fine. He might be out for, I think I saw six weeks potentially. Six weeks is quite a lot of game time for a miss. It seems to be the curse of the new contract for Newcastle players. Um, <laughs> every time we get a new uh, player sign or say, a player sign a new contract, he gets injured. It uh, just uh, happened with uh, Kraft at the Tranmere game. He sent you a contract maybe a week before, goes and does his ACL. Now Miggy does the same thing. Uh, I just hope Bruno doesn't sign his new one until the summer now. Fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but going through the Newcastle lineup again, unchanged from the Wolves game. Uh, so we've got Pope and Goal, Trippier uh, as ever as captain, uh, Shaw, Botman, and Byrne rounding up the rest of defence. Bruno, Shaw Longstaff, Joe Willock, Jacob Murphy, Alan St. Maxman, and Alexander Isak in midfield and attack going through. Did you expect the same starting 11, Jack? Or you're expecting maybe, not knowing that Miggy was injured, would you think he would come in because he got the winning goal against Wolves? Yeah, I thought maybe Miggy might come back in for Murphy. Not that Murphy did anything wrong against Wolves, but just with Miggy getting the goal and having that little bit of a rest, I thought he, and I thought he might come back in. Um, but there's not really much else we could have done. Like, the bench, the bench is not very strong. Um, as soon as you miss, we're missing Joe Linton, obviously suspended, and Gordon injured as well. So when you're missing three midfielders, like the bench, we've got three left backs on the bench, um, and you know, a couple of players there that will definitely not be here next season. Um, so the only real, you know, bright spark on the bench, I suppose, is Wilson, and um, even though he's not been fit lately and he, he hasn't been in form. Um, and then Elliot Anderson, who we're definitely going to talk about during the course of this. Um, but yeah, the team, it, it was Eddie likes keeping a settled a settled team that's been winning games anyway. So um, you might have kept the same the same team as it was. But you, you, when you've got Isak up front, who's obviously getting his getting his eye in a little bit, and the the midfield performance was really good against Wolves as well. So and that that back four and the back five really is going to be um uh, it's going to be a memorable one because. They've been, you know, unmovable all season pretty much. It's been the, the same players I've played every week. So um, possibly target to come in at some point, maybe. But Byrne was good against Wolves as well. So, yeah, I think yeah, it was, was a pretty pretty standard um, standard team. And I, I thought that we would have, have enough to win this game. Yeah. Uh, what were your thoughts on Alan St. Maxman uh, retaining his starting position? Given the fact that he had a fairly shaky game against Wolves, went off with what looked like to be an injury. And it seems to be the case in this one, but again, we'll get in a bit more detail of that. Did you expect him to retain that position or would you have thought maybe somebody could have came in just to give him a bit of a rest like what we did with Miggy? Well, he seems to get injured every game. So it's hard to know like whether he's got... And it seems to be kind of different injuries. It's not like a recurring injury. Whether it's just the way he plays or he's being asked to play a different a different style now that's having an impact on his body or whether he's just not fit, I don't know. 
But um, there wasn't any talk after Wolves that he was injured, going to be injured, injured long-term. Uh, and with the lack of other options, like possibly Anderson maybe might have got a start or Richie's been getting more minutes lately as well. Uh, but when, when, Max, when Max is available like he was today, I think he's going to play in the absence of the other players. How, having said that, though, uh, with the way things went in this game, um, this might be the last time we actually see him start a game for Newcastle. Uh, I think that I think that could actually transpire, um, but we'll probably talk about about that as we go through. Absolutely. So we'll get starting on the game. Uh, first few minutes, it was a, more of a rugby match to be honest, rather than a football match. There was a few tackles flying in. And I think it was in, what, the first four or five minutes that Shaw went down with a what looked like a, a rolled ankle with a challenge from behind from Andre Ayew. The ref. We'll talk about him later on in, as the game goes on for obvious reasons. But do you think that was a prime example at an early stage of the game to cut tackles like that out by showing an early yellow card? And do you think it was justified a yellow card on Shaw right at the beginning of the game? Well... I think it was justified because it was a tackle from behind uh, and it wasn't mm-hmm. the only t- heavy tackle that went in at the beginning of the match. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and complain about aggressive football or, um, you know, uh, you know, sort of controlled um, hard tackling because I think we've done plenty of that this season. But it was it was quite obvious from the beginning that the ref could, could be about to lose control of the game. Uh, and it, it always felt... Like Forrest were kicking us quite a bit. Um, I think they were crossing the line from um, controlled aggression into just dirty play and fouling. Um, and then he, there was a lot of there was quite a few bad tackles that went in. Yates Yates did a couple in midfield as well. He was kind of quite noticeable for just running around kicking people to begin with. Uh, and then Shah obviously got injured, which was which was a concern. That happens every game to Shah. He always seems to get some kind of knock. It just happened a bit earlier today, but. He looked really in pain and Lascelles was warming up. Like looked like he might have to come on. Um, but yeah, to, back to your question. The referee lost control of the game in the first part of the first half, I think. And then when he eventually did give a yellow card, it was for the, I think it was for Dennis for a tackle on Trippy, which probably wasn't even a yellow card decision. Yeah. So he, he didn't, I just don't think he did himself any favours through the whole game. And the, the standard of officiating was dog shit, basically, in this game from the beginning. Uh, and the Forest manager said that it was a it was a strange performance by him. And I think he was just trying to be polite there um, because it was bad. And it, it wasn't just bad for us, although the main the main call was bad for us, but it was bad for both teams. He just didn't seem there. Uh, it's just it's just another indication of the the bad standard of refereeing in the Premier League, which when you've got such a uh, a high-profile league with so many eyes on it all the time. I just don't know why they can't. I know refereeing's a hard job. I know it's not easy, um, and everything happens really quickly. But you need the best people in to do this job because it's like today was just a really clear example of just someone, a referee who just didn't do his job properly. Yeah, best of all though, you won't even be held accountable. That's the annoying thing. Um, very, very rarely does the PGA MOL or whatever it is come out and issue a statement and they'll, they'll always defend the referees uh, but it'd just be nice to come around and say you know what, yep, I'm human, I made a mistake sorry, uh, let's move mm-hmm. on and I'll try and do better on the next game but it, it's never like that um, but hopefully he'll uh, not be 
around next week and be giving you a little suspension uh, or maybe demoted to the championship, whatever it is they want to do with them, because that was a dog awful performance from them. But again, we'll get into more yeah. detail. One, and it's it's not even like the big decisions. It's just his general approach to the game meant that he didn't have control of it. So I don't know whether referees go out in certain games and think, right, let's I'm going to let the game try, try and let the game flow here, or I'm going to. I'm going to sort of stamp my authority early and book someone. Like maybe if it's a different, it depends who the teams are or, but then they have to kind of be a bit adaptable. Like you can't just have people going around kicking people for the first 10, 15 minutes. Um, and, and it doesn't matter who, which team it is. Like if that happens, which it did today, you have to do something about it. Otherwise it will just carry on. But then w- with him, like I said, when he did do something about it, it was for the wrong, the wrong tackle. Uh, which was just a bit strange. So I think he might have gone into this game with a mindset of how he was going to approach it. And then when when it wasn't going how we thought it was going to, he just didn't kind of know how to adapt to it. That's just how it seemed like that, you know, I've got, there's no kind of evidence for what's going, you know, what's going through his head or what his plan is, but that's how it seemed. It was a really strange and just an overall bad performance. Yeah. So we'll get on to where the, first real chance of a game. This came on the, the sixth minute where Tripp's players Murphy down the right. Um, good little bit of passage of play because uh, it came from a, a counter-attack. He squares it to Willock just along the, the six-yard box. Everyone's expecting Willock to score, expecting the net to bulge, and somehow he puts it high and wide. Do you see that <laughs> is good defending where the, they've put him off, or do you see that as a really bad miss, Jack? It's a really bad miss. Uh, it's and it's not the first one that we've done over the last few weeks. Uh, he has to score that. He has to get a shot on target. And if he does get a shot on target, it's probably a goal. Um, it was coming out quite quick, but he, he just sort of his foot wasn't strong enough to get a good connection on it, and it, he just ended up ended up skying it. Uh, I, I'm sure our players work on finishing um, in training, but. In a match, it's it's not the first time it's happened lately. Uh, there's been quite a lot of that, um, but that's yeah. It's you, you know, I'm not going to be too harsh on Willock because he played well again and he was he was fantastic against Wolves. Um, but yeah, Eddie Eddie referenced this chance and he said that that would have been a good settler for us because we we were kind of on top and just to have the early goal would have would have been really good. A bit like we got against Leicester away when we got the early goal and just went on to win that mm-hmm. comfortably. Uh, that could yeah. have happened again today, but yeah, it's another example of uh, a missed chance, um, and we're going to have to sharpen this up for the last twelve games and for next season. And I'm sure, I'm sure we will, because we we know that it's, it's been an issue lately. Yeah, I totally agree with him. I think it was a an easy opportunity missed, and I think Willock's reaction said it all. To be honest, had his head in his hands, and he knows for a fact he should have done uh, much better on that one. But as the opening. 15, 20 minutes to one, we started to grow into the game with some brilliant passages of play, but not really testing their keeper. Uh, but then on the 20th minute, I believe it was, uh, 26 minutes, sorry, um, they had a pretty decent chance where Shelby just decides to lob a ball pretty much down our left-hand side. And it was pretty much a hit and hope ball, to be honest. And which would you normally consider Botman bread and butter style defending, mop it up, pass it to uh, Trippier, to Shaw, or even back to Pope just to put in a touch or continue playing. But he just does a blind pass back to, I think he's trying to get it back to Pope. And he just has got no idea, no spatial awareness of who's around him. 
in he just plays in um I can't remember Dennis, I think it was. Just plays in Dennis, who actually really good finish from him. Uh taking a taking his time in a little chip finish over uh, Pope and Trippier. Were you surprised at that time that again you know, or actually thinking, you know, this is typical Newcastle. We've been all um bark but no bite, and then suddenly it just goes and kicks us in the arse. But it was Botman who made the error, considering he's been missed at dependable all season. Yeah, um, but last week it was Trippier that made an error as well uh, when he fell over. So there's, there's, there's been defensive errors, a few that have kind of crept into the game uh, that, that we've conceded goals from. Uh, this was just a bad, like a bad mistake from Botman, who it's a bit of his first, basically his first foot wrong he's put all season. Like he's been yeah. generally fantastic this season. Um, so he just didn't look, maybe he just wasn't, maybe he didn't get a call or he didn't know that the player was there, but a quick glance to his left and he would have seen that um, and he probably would have just put it out for a throw-in or, you know, controlled it and take tried to take it away. Um, so when you've when you've missed a chance like Willick did and when you've hit the bar as well, I think we'd hit the bar yeah. once by this point, um, It's you, you, you get that sinking feeling again. Um, but at least it was early enough in the in the game that we had plenty of time to come back. But it's it's still encouraging that we're not creating like m- many chances each game. Like the, I think Forrest will look at the stats at the end, but they really didn't have that many shots, many chances. Same as Wolves. So even though we're conceding a bit more than what we were, it's still it's not through kind of structural problems with the defense. It's through individual errors. Um, and the Liverpool game was a bit like that as well. So. Uh, I'd be I'd be a lot more worried about this if it was happening regularly or if it was Titus Bramble style clangers every yeah. every other game. Um, and Botman's not going to do this again for a long time. Nah. Uh, so, but but it was still very distressing to go down at this point because we'd been the better team um, and it and it, it wobbled us. It, it wobbled us after this. Um, so we it took us a while to get back into the game after this. Um, but we were we were chatting in the chat before, and you were talking about Botman as well, and just saying that you will let him off with this one, won't we? Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. He he's been my player of the season so far, purely because it's just his debut season as well. And he came from a farmers' league over in France, and he was written off because he was too slow. But he, like I say, he's just been missed that dependable. Um, like I say he's got that one per season error he's allowed to make, and he can have that one this time as long as he doesn't do it again. He'll be. Uh, all the way to where the Euros now, because he got that Dutch call up just a few days ago. So well done on him; thoroughly yeah. deserved as well. Um, I don't know. I don't mentioned... know how he didn't. How did he? How did he not get a Dutch call up before? Like I know they've got some good defenders, but like, yeah, he's he's phenomenal <laughs> for his age as well. So I think I don't think he'll be out of many squads from now on as long as he stays fit. He's gonna he's Absolutely. going places with us definitely. Yeah, uh, absolutely. In his reaction at uh, full time, I thought was absolutely uh, superb. But uh, again, we'll touch on that as we get closer to it. Um, as you mentioned, we were a little bit nervy after that goal went in. Probably rightly so as well, because it was totally against the passage of play. Again, just a hit and hope, uh, which they got a bit of fortunate look with. But then on the 35th minute, a good friend of ours, the crossbar, is in the right place at the right time again as the ball falls loose to Longstaff on the edge of the box. He takes a shot, which it looks like he's just trying to side foot it, pass it into the back of the net effectively. Uh, but it takes a wicked deflection, loops over the keeper, who, if I remember rightly, was nowhere to be seen. So if it had been just an inch or two lower, that's looping uh, underneath the bar and we're back to 1 1. 
Longstaff standing there with his head in his hands. And at the moment that ball was cleared, where you think, oh, God, here we go again. This is uh, Newcastle United, book 101. And it's just not going to be our night again. Is that what you were thinking? Because I know well, certainly what I was thinking. Yeah, like you, you've missed a good chance and you've hit the woodwork twice and you've conceded a goal from a bad defensive error. So uh, it's going to take a while, I think, for us to get out of the mindset that this is typical Newcastle and everything's shit and, you know, it's going to, it's all going to be bad and we're going to lose because that's not the way things have been going uh, lately. Um, so th- this was the first game, I think, that would um, could actually come from behind to win all season. Um, so... But yeah, I was I was thinking, oh God, he will go again. Um, we've, we've missed a chance. We've hit the woodwork twice, and but we're losing. Yeah, it's just it's a good job we we managed to turn things around. But it, it was feeling at that stage like yeah, it was going to be it was going to be a, a difficult night, uh, and it was hard to see. We just needed a bit of luck. I think it was obvious we just needed a bit of luck at that stage, which were, which was just not there in the first part of the game. No, absolutely wasn't. In the last 10 minutes of the first half, it was we were in control of the game, but we weren't causing any major uh, opportunities or anything. Keep uh, may have had the odd ball bobble to him, that sort of thing, but nothing where he's pulled off a, a worldie or anything like that. And as half-time's approaching, we're thinking, you know, we're still in the game, it's only 1-0, um, let's come out the second half fighting everything. I think we all uh, talk about that in uh, the group chat. But then on the 47th minute, there's a little bit of a scrappy player right on the halfway line on the right-hand side. Willock dispossesses a Forest player. Uh, managers beat one or two. Plays a slick one-two with Maxi, who's well out of position this time, over on uh, the right-hand side. And he then manages to beat another man, gets a good little dinked cross into Isak, and somehow Isak has managed to get the ball from behind him on the volley, get it in off the post. We go in the break 1-1. First of all, what a finish from Isak. And Willock kind of makes up for uh, his miss earlier on in the first half with some brilliant player with Maxi down that right-hand side. Yeah, and it was fantastic improvisation from Isak to get his shin on it. I think he shinned it in in the end. And so he's got those long, gangly legs. <laughs> so he the has. ball was kind of behind him a bit, um, but he managed to sort of fling his right leg out and shinned it in. And it was a really clever, clever finish. Um, Willick and Maxi was, yeah, good play out there. But Willick's been doing this for a lot of the season now. He's been... Mm-hmm. Uh, when he, he drives forward really well and he puts some good balls into the box. And the most pleasing thing about this was it was a bit like the Bournemouth game. We were playing better in this game than against Bournemouth, but yeah, to to score just before half time um, is is a real a real good sign when your team's doing that because we're not thinking let's wait and let's get into the dressing room and have the team talk and let's see what you know let's regroup. We're thinking let's score, you know, um, let's get let's get back into it now. Um, so to score an injury time at the end of the first half for the, for another away game was a really good sign, and it's just a real um, signal of our the character of this team. Uh, mm-hmm. I think the quality was there in the first half, apart from that mm-hmm. when we had the little wobble uh, after they scored. Um, but we absolutely deserve to go in at least level, if not if not ahead. I would say. Yeah, uh, I totally agree with a balance of play. We were the better team by far. Um, again, just that clinical uh, finishing, just lacking there. Now, half time, 
and as the cameras pan back to the pitch side, we noticed uh, Elliot Anderson on the touchline getting ready to come on for Maxi. Now, Maxi mm. was getting, I would want to say, a fair bit of abuse almost on uh, the chat or on other forms of social media, whatever like that. But he certainly didn't play anywhere near the Maxi that we know. And he was taken off at halftime. Yeah, the one contribution which led to the equaliser. So credit him on that one. What were your thoughts on his 45 minutes? And do you think his injury is as bad as what it could be? Because he was taken off, I think it was 60 minutes against Wolves and now 45 minutes uh, against uh, Forrest today. Yeah. Uh, it's difficult with Max, isn't it? Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if his body is... Uh, used to this kind of football that he's being asked to play at the moment. Um, he's he's missed a lot of the season. Uh, he's come back into the team because there's, there hasn't been that many other options, really. Um, he's And he's played because of that. I don't think that he's going to be here long-term. I think the I think that decision might already have been made, that he's going to be sold. Um, mainly because we he's one of the, the few players we've got in the team that's that's worth real money that we might actually want to sell because um, we're yeah. not going to be wanting to sell Botman and Bruno or Isak or any of those guys. So I think he's probably the most saleable asset we've got. Um, he didn't play very well today, but I'm aware as well that it causes a big split with him. He's he's kind of held to higher standards a little bit, which is not fair, not always fair. But I think it's because he can do it and he does have the quality Um when he doesn't, it's a bit more noticeable. And he doesn't have kind of seven out of 10 games. He, t- he has like, he has 10 out of 10s, like against Man City, uh, or he has three or four out of 10, unfortunately, which is what he had today. Um, and it wasn't really a surprise when he was hooked at half time. I don't know if he was injured. Um, the, the suggestion seems to be that he was. Uh, but I think even on the balance of play, like on the way he was playing, I think it was the right call to bring him off. Um, and I think, I'm not sure he would have started if Gordon and Joe Linton were available. But we've said from the beginning about Maxi, um, especially after when he got injured, we said this second half of the season for him is massive. I think he's playing for his future at the club. Um, uh, definitely. So, and I don't think so far he's done enough um, to justify to justify his, maybe his place in the team. Um, he's, he is a good squad. He could be a good squad player if he's happy to play that role and if he can get his body right. Um, and I'm I'm really grateful to him for all he's done for the club over the last uh, over the last four, three or four years. Uh, he saved us from relegation. Him and Dubravka probably saved us from relegation a few times. Um, but whether this is an adjustment period for him, uh, whether there's a role for him, I'm starting to think that there might not be from next season. Um, so it wasn't a surprise when he was brought off. Um, but having said that, like I said, he, he did play a role in the goal, uh, just like he did at Bournemouth as well. So mm-hmm. even though he's not getting assists, he's still playing a part in the in the goals. Um, he's just a player who massively divides opinion. Um, but he, he hasn't done himself justice, I don't think, over the last uh, couple of games where he started, unfortunately. No, totally agree. Totally agree. But Elliot Anderson comes on and it's a refreshing change to see him getting a full half rather than 
five minutes uh, of time to go when the game's already put to bed um, and he can't really impact the game. But what an impact he had from the second he came on that pitch. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. three minutes in, he has was a, a deep cross from Murphy. Uh, I think it was what just outside the six-yard box and that volley, that was going straight in the top corner if Navas hadn't have got his fingertips to it. And that would have stung his hands out and that was a cracking introduction to the game from him. Yeah, Anderson is a quality footballer. You can just tell, like, some players you can just tell have got quality. Um, Isak's one of those players, the form he's been in, but you can just tell by looking at Anderson, like, the way he he touches the ball and the way he moves, that he's quality. He's got a lot of talent as a footballer, natural talent. He played on the left-hand side for Bristol Rovers when he was on loan there, and he scored pretty much every game. Um, He was absolutely amazing. And Joey Barton called him the Jordi Maradona. Um, but we, we've used him more in a kind of central role um, because that's where he's been needed a little bit. Uh, and he hasn't probably hasn't got as many minutes as he would have wanted. Um, and I think a lot of us would have liked to have seen him go out on loan uh, to a championship club and get some development there and get some minutes. But he's, he's very highly rated by Eddie Howe for obvious reasons um, and he was really unlucky against Liverpool when he when he started and then had to get subbed off when Pope got sent off um, so it was really good to see him get 45 minutes he's been judged a little bit harshly sometimes because when he has played it's been he played against Chef Wed in the cup um, and he I think he started another cup game where he, he wasn't playing with the first team as such so it's yeah. not fair I don't think to judge a 20 year old kid uh, playing in a, in a much-changed team. Um, so I was pleased to see him come on. Obviously, he scored a, a goal, which was bullshit this loud, which we're going to talk about. Um, but for him, it was really good to see him come on um, and to impact the game like he did. Not not any player can have that shot like he had, like you just talked about. That's a really mm-hmm. hard technical skill to pull off, uh, which which he, he did. And that's what I mean. You can just tell he's he's good. He's good and he's going to be good. And he's only 20 and he's going to be a big, big player for this club. I'm convinced of that. Now, a few minutes after that one, there was a loose ball he chased down in the, the forest box, uh, which he did manage to get the ball. And his shirt was being pulled left, right and centre. What were your thoughts on that as a potential penalty shoot? And was Anderson too honest in staying on his feet, but obviously he'd done the right thing in doing so? Do you think that could have been a potential penalty shoot? Well, yeah, we've talked about this with our team before. Um, we sometimes don't appeal for penalties. Uh, and even the commentators were saying maybe he was too honest and he could have, if he'd have gone down there, it would have given the referee a decision to make or at least given VAR a decision to make. Um, but then we were we were criticising Raul Jimenez last week for going down when he could have stayed on his feet. So yeah, it's... <laughs> what can you... like? Uh, you, we need to be a bit smart, I suppose. Uh, and we need to be a bit a bit cute and a bit clever about these things, but he just wanted to play football. He wanted to stay on his feet and try and get the ball. So I'm not going to knock a player for being honest like that. And you're never, ever going to get a penalty for a shirt pull if the, if you don't go down or very, very rarely is that going to happen. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. But now fair play for him for staying on his feet, keeping the ball alive. Um, it shows the credit of the quality of the player that he is and is going to be. Um, but as the, the second half started to get into its middle stages, there was a little bit of balance of play where we had the few shots on Bruno. Uh, John Joe Shelby had two opportunities in very quick succession. One where I think he tested Pope and then his second shot went wide. 
if he had a scored, would have been interesting to see if he celebrated. Uh, and <laughs> that would have literally been headline news, as the commentator said. And it would have been, again, the Newcastle curse, because I think every ex-player scores against Newcastle. It's just one of the yeah. <laughs> given things. You know, it, it's like daylight in the, the, you know, the, the moon at nighttime. Just one of those things. But what yeah. did you think of Shelby's performance within that game? Because he hasn't actually played a lot of football. And obviously, there's the seven-year uh, stage he had with us. It was pretty much seven years to that January, I think it was. And mm. there was a little bit of needle with one or two players. He had a few little chips at Bruno every now and again, which a lot of people on social media are saying, what are you doing, Bruno? Uh, what were you doing, uh, John yeah. Reno? That, that's kicking away at his ankles, that type of thing. But that's what he'd done for us. He was a mm. bit of a dogged type player. He didn't mind doing the, the dirty stuff. And it shows that he's playing for the shirt. And he, out of respect, I think he done quite well. But mm. I think it just goes to show his place in the squad was well because there's nowhere near he's at the level that that current midfield is. Yeah, he probably would have got a game uh, recently when we've been really short on midfielders. But he, he would have taken a while to get fit and get into our team anyway. Um, and, you know, he's he, he did have a couple of injuries, so he should have probably been sent off in this game. He was sent off a few times for us, but yeah. there was a bad tackle on Bruno where he could have been sent off. Um, it's always interesting when players who obviously know each other well and who are friends, you know, he was, uh, he was talking to them all before the game. Um, it's interesting when they come up against each other, but they're professionals, you know. Like he wanted to win for his new club, they're they're going to be in a, mm-hmm. an almighty relegation dogfight. Um, so he he's left Newcastle with a lot of goodwill in the end, which I'm very surprised about. Um, the way he turned it around, I never thought he was going to. And there was there's been multiple times over the years when I would have been happily happy for him to get kicked out or go on loan or go on a free transfer, mm-hmm. even you know. But then he had periods I- where he was good. He was really good for us. So. Uh, I'm pleased that he was on the losing side in this game, but he's probably going to be a useful player with his experience for them. But he need, he plays on the edge and he needs to make sure he keeps his discipline a bit. Because like I said, he was sent off for us a few times and he, another referee might have taken exception to a bit the way he was playing a bit today as well. He was booked in the game as well, I believe, for that challenge on Bruno. And there was one challenge mm. on Isak as well. Um which, again, was another one which could have even got a, a second yellow card. And you know, those two will know quite each other well from um, time in the treatment room. They both spent a fair bit of it mm. in there before the, the transfer window. So I reckon there'll be a little bit of um, banter between them after the game, your uh, WhatsApp message, that sort of thing. But as long as it stays on the pitch, then I'm more than happy with that because obviously he's fighting for his new club. And uh, good luck yeah. to him in what he does in the future. He came out and said something about his whinging or something, didn't he? As well, he was like, "Oh, I didn't, I didn't know they were, I didn't realize they were going to whinge so much." It was like, "Look how where's John Joe? You've been in this dressing room for the last almost, you know, the last seven years. You yeah, know the way it goes." <laughs> Did he turn around and say, uh, "Oh, we've got to go and uh, dust ourselves down and move on to the next game"? Because I, I don't know whether <laughs> someone's made that up on social media. Because if he did, that just appeared straight out of Bruce's book. Which... <laughs> I saw that as well. I don't know if I don't Gosh. know if you actually said that, but it's a All typical right. footballer thing to say, isn't it? So he probably did. It really is. It really is. But now then, 64 minutes in. The ball is with Murphy, I believe it is, who uh crosses it into the middle of the box. There's a little bit of a ping-pong one around with the ball. It falls to Isak, 
who is actually on the deck at the time, I believe, as it's ping pong from Wilson and Isak. Isak chips it across to Anderson. Anderson rises like a salmon, heads it uh, back across the face of goal, and then nestles in the bottom corner. The 20-year-old Jordy scores his first ever goal for the club, runs with a raptures. The away end is delirious. Dan Byrne looks like he's uh, just seen his proud son score the first goal of his club as well. He's uh, happy as a pig and shit with that one. And then VR intervene. Would you like to give me your assessment on why it was given offside, why VR are intervening with an offside call, and why it wasn't offside to begin with? Three questions all in the one there for you. Right. So I've been thinking about this a lot today because <laughs> even it, I'm I'm just so glad we won this game because I, I was I was ready to fly to England and march on the on the uh, Premier League if this if if this had cost us points because this was an absolute shambles it was a it was a scandalous the only reason that I know what this was given for is because Chris Foy the ex referee was on the Optus coverage that we had. And yeah. he was explaining what had happened. So the, I think the reason this was disallowed is because Isak kicked it forwards when he was on the floor and Longstaff was offside at that point, even though he was miles away from Isak. And then it it came off two Forest players. So it came off um, Felipe first and then it came off another Forest player. So... Chris Foy and the referee have apparently come to the conclusion. The referee came to the conclusion that it wasn't a deliberate touch <laughs> from the Forest player. So, if if that wasn't a deliberate touch from the Forest player, I think he needs to probably get a new job or play a different sport or something because it was a, quite a good clearance. He swung his left foot at it and he and mm -hmm. he cleared it, and then. And then it came, and then it was the other Forest player, Lodi, I think it was, who also swung for it and kicked it. Then it bounced off Longstaff and went back to Isak. So the referee has decided that it was a non-intentional <laughs> touch from the Forest player. Like he's basically decided that it was a deflection, which I just don't understand. That uh, how? No. Like how? 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 Like. He he hadn't given that in real time as well. It it was a he he said it was a goal. So maybe the fact that the VAR has sent him to the to the side has made him doubt it a little bit. Maybe he doesn't know the rules properly. Like you would hope that the referee would know the rules, but it was such a bad decision. And without Chris Foy coming on and explaining that, which then Tim Sherwood and Jermaine Defoe who were Neither of them are particularly known for being positive towards Newcastle. They both said he, that that was nonsense as well. And I've seen that Keith Hackett, who used to be the boss of the referees, I think, he was on Twitter saying that it, it was nonsense as well. But he said that that is why it was given as offside, because Felipe and the Forest player were deemed to not have touched the ball intentionally. And the worst thing about this, the worst thing about it is that it's robbed a 20-year-old Geordie kid mm -hmm. of what was probably the winner in a really massive match so i just feel upset for him like i'm so so glad we got got the yeah we got the the win otherwise i'd probably be in dubai or somewhere right now on my way to, <laughs> to london um with my pitchfork but um 
because it was that bad. And I always, I always talk, think back to the Chelsea game as well last season where we got screwed off, um, off bar really bad. But it, you'd never see a ref sent to the side for an offside, an offside call. So when it was happening, no one knew what was going on. Like it was like, how, what, how, like, how is this even a thing? And it's just, it feels like the checking every goal to try and find a reason to disallow goals. Um, and Forrest got lucky with this one. So, yeah, that's kind of my understanding of what it was. It was an absolute piss take. Uh, and it was like we were talking about the referee before and his general performance. But this, yeah, it was an absolute shambles that this was disallowed. Uh, and it's just another example of VAR Nobody knows what's what's going on, and even Shearer was on Twitter as well, saying that he was watching the match in the pub. So he's watched matches as a fan, and he's watched matches as a broadcaster and a pundit. And he he was quite vocal previously about how with VAR he went and saw, and he was shown how it worked and everything. Um, and he said that this is not what it was supposed to be for, and it's the application of this is just it's just bullshit basically. And that was what happened today. So. Yeah, it could have. If we hadn't won this game, it could have been a lot worse than what it was. And I just feel upset about Elliot Anderson that he's had been robbed of a goal. It was a cracking uh, header as well. Like he, mm. he doesn't look like a tall lad, but he's got a hell of a leap on him. And uh, that Forest defender is not exactly small either. Um, you know, he, he yeah. came close against Wolves uh, at Molyneux earlier on the season when he crashed one against there uh, the crossbar in the 90th minute or whenever it was. Uh, he's getting closer. That goal will come. Uh, but yeah, devastated for the lad. Um, but yeah, I say his time will get there now. Here's a little question for you if you had a, on a scale of one being the correct decision, or 10 being a case of Joe Willock being pushed in the back in the Palace game, where <laughs> does this referee blunder uh land on that scale? Well, I don't know if. The, with Willick, was he not? He wasn't shown the referee wasn't shown the camera angle or something, was he? So he was just shown in that game that Willick jumped into the into the goalkeeper. So that was more of a VAR error, I think. But this one was this was a VAR. Well, I don't know. Like the, the, the <laughs> VAR said to the ref, the VAR must have said to the ref, "There's a bit of doubt here. I think that he." I think it might not have been an intentional part, like touch, which is obviously bullshit and nonsense and bollocks. And then the referee has gone over and agreed with that. Whether he felt under pressure to do that, I don't know who the, uh, I don't know who was in the VAR. But this is where it would have been good to hear what was going on between the ref and the VAR Absolutely. as well. Yeah. So, so, so fans knew what was going on. But so I would say that they were both complete clusterfucks. Um, uh, they're probably they're probably on a uh, on a par to be honest. Like they're both they're both been terrible decisions. The Palace one is worse at the moment because we didn't win that game and we lost two points. But then it's this one's worse goal. because it's a Geordie boy. It's a Geordie boy having a, a a great goal ripped away from him. Um. So they were both just shocking, terrible decisions and examples of. The, the shit show that VAR unfortunately is uh, in the way it's currently being applied. Yeah, couldn't agree with you more on that one. Um, so, but did you did you know what did you know what was going on? Did you have any idea? No, not a clue. Were you, were I, you I don't even yeah. think there was not one person in that ground that knew what was going on except the ref and uh, those back in there, the VAR HQ, because 
it was like he's an absolute shit show. I, I've never seen such a bad call since VR came around. Mm. And you're right about Shira as well, because when VR first came around, what, four or five years ago, whenever it may be now, uh, Shira was an advocate for it. There's absolutely no way he'd mm. be an advocate mm-hmm. for it now. Not with the shit show that it is. Uh, he'd just be the total opposite, if anything. And I think he's proven with uh, a, a few word tweet on uh, uh, as the game was going on, he just said, fuck off, VAR, or something along those lines. Mm. Um, so if he was an advocate, he certainly isn't now, not off that tweet anyway. Um, but that was a kick in the bollocks for both fans and players alike, especially Elliot Anderson. But we could have let our heads drop. We could have just sat back and go, you know what? It's not going to be our night again. Let's just play for the point. It's well-earned because we've come from a goal down effectively. But we didn't. We stayed strong. We kept on pressing. Again, we didn't really test the the keeper as well as we probably should with a few tame shots or they got some uh, well-timed blocks in from Bruno uh, when he was about maybe six, seven yards out. But they also had a chance as well when I think it was Shaw who misplaced a ball at the midfield and... If I remember rightly, it was Johnson that was uh, running down on goal. Uh, but luckily, Pope stood firm, and I think he bounced off his leg, but managed to clear it. That was pretty end-to-end as it started going on. But then, six minutes of added time were put on the board, mainly because of the time taken for uh, the VAR cluster focus, is <laughs> so-called, up, uh, <laughs> to be resolved. And in the 92nd minute, big dog, Alexander Isak, chips a... Was it, was it Willick, sorry, that chips the ball in Isak? Can't remember yeah, which way it was. Will it cross? Yeah. Will it cross Will it... in Isak? And Isak looks like he's got his head onto it. Couldn't quite tell. But the, the arm was up in probably the most unnatural position you've ever seen in your entire life. <laughs> it bounces off his arm. There's a little bit of um, weight and judgment from the ref. However, the away fans called it instantly. You can even see Trips, who's way back in his right-back position. He called handball straight away, if you see the, the wide-angle view of it. You think it was a, a penalty and it was the right call to make? Definitely was a penalty, yeah. It was uh, It was close to him, but like his hand was <laughs> above his head. and the ball. It's hard to know where, whether the ball was going in or not, because um, it was like a glancing header off Isak. But you can't put your arm up like that. Um, Byrne got penalised for one like this against Brentford earlier in the season. Yeah. Um, right. You just can't put your hand up like that, that in the in the box. So I think it was definitely a penalty. And I, I shouted for it straight away. And it was a bit weird, like it went a bit quiet. And it didn't mm-hmm. seem like that many of the players that I could see were kind of screaming for it. I don't know who actually had a good view of it. You just said Trippier did, so that's good. Uh, but it would have been a it would have been another scandal if that hadn't been given. So the ref didn't have any choice with this. It was a clear penalty, um, and then that just made us think, "Oh God, what happens if we miss?" Uh, which is what <laughs> your mind immediately goes to. But mm-hmm. yeah, there was no no danger of that happening in the, in the event. So penalty awarded. And you see Trippier standing over the penalty spot with the ball in his hand. What were you thinking at that moment? <laughs> uh, I was thinking, uh, I, I trust Trippier. I was thinking uh, Trippier is a good penalty taker. Um, but I was wondering why Isak didn't have the ball and why Isak wasn't going to take it. Bobby made us laugh in the chat. He said that he almost had a stroke or something when he saw Trippier, <laughs> when he saw Trippier with the ball. So, um, and it didn't. It didn't really occur to me what was what was going on, which was very clever. Uh, it didn't occur to me that this was all 
to take the pressure off uh, off Isak. Mm. But um, I, I was I was confident Trippier could have scored it, uh, but I, I I wanted Isak to take it. I thought maybe Isak's just too exhausted because he's 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 played ninety minutes uh, and he probably might not be able to run anymore. But um, yeah, I, I wasn't uh, very pleased about Trippier picking the ball up, but I wasn't pleased about anything at this point in time. I was just I was just picturing and envisioning and missing that, and then me having to get on with my with my Saturday, having missed a ninety third minute penalty. To, to not win a ruined. game. <laughs> so, yeah. But, uh, yeah. Um, there's a, a photo going around social media uh, where Trips is uh, chinning like, uh, grinning like a Cheshire cat, sorry. <laughs> he's got a smile as wide as the time. I don't know whether he's just trying to give a death stare to the keeper or whatever it is because you can't see what he's actually looking at. But that picture is going to go down in Geordie folklore as one of the <laughs> best ones in long memory, to be honest. That's going to be up there with Shawler on the bike in the apple, as far as I'm concerned. Um, but yeah, he grin as wide as the time, gives the ball to Isak. Isak puts it down, sends it too high into uh, the right. Kiba takes a step to his left, and he's beating all ends down. Again, the away end goes into raptures. Absolutely no way they are going to rule this one out for any encroachment or anything. Because if they did, I think there would have just been an absolute riot, to be honest. Um, but yeah, literally seconds later, final whistle goes and we secure what is, in my opinion, probably the most important win of the season so far. Your thoughts on the three points alone and the overall performance of the game, Jack? Well, first of all, Isak, how is he, how do you stay that calm and collected? He's ice, he's got, got ice running through his veins, that guy. Because I know it's different when you're a fan, but when you see the pressure that's on that penalty, it's like, I don't know how anyone doesn't just collapse into a heap when you've got that amount of pressure on you. But yeah, like we said, I, I said after the cup final, I'm pleased that that's, we've got a line drawn under that game now. Man City, not, not like saying this, but it was a bit of a free hit in terms of we didn't expect to get anything from it. Um, and I, I would have been happy with four points, to be honest, from the last two games. So I was, the Wolves was the really big one for me. I think I thought we really, really needed to win that. Um, so I was pleased we did that, obviously. And then a point wouldn't have been terrible in this game. Forest had Forest were unbeaten at home in nine games, you know. Uh, yeah, not since September. At home. But on the balance of play, we deserved to win. Uh, absolutely. The fact that justice was served because we got fucked so bad by the by the ref, and then to win it in that in that um, in that way is just really special. Uh, and really memorable for all of the away fans that that were there, but just the character f- of the team to to come back from the uh, wolves from the from their goal that wolves scored and to go on and win that game with not not yeah. not long left, and then to to do this to come back from the the injustice and to score a last minute penalty and to to get the goals you know like we needed to score goals and we've scored four goals now in the last two games. Two games which we we want to be winning when we're um, when we're going for the top four, which we definitely are again now. You know, um, whether we get it or not, there's going to be there's a lot of football to play. But I think I would have been happy with four points. We got six, so going into the international break with two wins on the bounce, and the, I think they're off to Dubai today or something. So they're going on the warm Aye. weather training. So it just sets the the last twelve games up. It gives us a, a base for the rest of the season. And I'm really looking forward to the Man U game already because that could be a that could be a special one, especially with Casemiro not playing because he makes them tick in the same mm. way Bruno does for us. 
Um, but let's get on to where the, the match stats in, full-time stats. So we've got here, uh, possession well in our favour, 62%. We had 15 shots to their five, four of which were on target, three for them. Seven corners to their three. Nine fouls for us, 17 for those. And hmm. I think uh, I put a tweet out yesterday, just a few stats on their home form. And they've got the highest amount of yellow cards for a home team in the Premier League by a significant margin. Uh, it's a stupid amount of yellow cards. And I think the way they were playing this morning just justifies that in how many fouls that they do give away and just trying to break up play. But it does really work mm. for them because they're just going to get a shitload of suspensions and then those players are going to be missing. Um, but looking at those stats, Jack, do you think that is a fair reflection of how the game went? I'd say so, yeah. I think we were by far the better team. We controlled the ball. There was just that period after they scored for 10-15 minutes where we we wobbled a little bit, which can sometimes happen. But we had more shots, obviously, more on target. We're still we're still not converting all the chances we should, but I think that'll that'll come. Uh, we need we need to sharpen that up still. Um, and having Bruno back is just m- m- massive. It's monumental having Bruno oh, back. Like. It's no it's no surprise whatsoever that we've started winning games again with him back because uh, he's the one who makes the whole team tick. Even though, even if he's not. Even if he's not sort of obviously playing outstandingly well, uh, he, he still is playing really well. Um, if you know what I mean, like he's not he's not scoring goals or getting assists, but he's the one who you know that he sets the, the tempo for the whole team, and he he's the one who retains the ball for us. So yeah, the stats back up the um, the game. Seventeen fouls is ridiculous, really, because that we, we usually look at these stats and the fouls are around 11, 12 marks. So. That that signifies what they were doing and in the first half, and that the ref kind of lost control of things. Um, but yeah, stats backed up the backed up the the win, and, and like I said, just so happy and so relieved that we got the we got across the line. Well, we'll go to uh, the league table now, and it's starting to look a little bit rosier, just like it did uh, a good few weeks ago. And we are sat in fifth, played twenty six points. Uh, sorry, we played 26 games with 47 points. That's a nice, healthy return. Uh, just above us, we've got Spurs, who play tomorrow morning, our time. Uh, I think it's a 3 p.m. kickoff in the UK, which is 1 o'clock for us. So we'll wake up to where the result of that one. So Southampton, you can do us a favour there, please. Um, so yeah, they've got a game in hand. There'll be, uh, there'll be two games on us, effectively. Um, but yeah, Spurs, Conte... Um, his horse has got to be twitching like a rabbit's nose now because we're coming for them. Mm. And not just them, but also Man United too. You know, we're 11 yeah. on games with them, but our next game against them, it's in James's. That is a massive, massive game, which no doubt we'll do a, a proper review on. But we win that game. And it's not just fourth spot that's up for grabs. Third must be up for grabs if that's going to be the case. Yeah, and look at the goal difference. Uh, we've got 14 better goal difference than Man United. Same amount of games yeah. played, so... Like I said, if we win that game, we'll go above them because um, they don't they play in the FA Cup this weekend. So uh, it's looking better. It's nice to see the green the green on there against our name, mm-hmm. um, and that's the, the fourth league win I think since the World Cup now as well with the Leicester and Fulham and the Wolves games as well. So I think that's about right. You know, like I've been banging on about the balance of play and how we've haven't been getting the points and we haven't been scoring the goals that we, we maybe should have. We've been underperforming a little bit some of those um those stats so uh this is more looking more like i think a, a reflection a fair reflection of the whole season 
Uh, and when you've only lost three games and when you've only conceded um, 19 goals, you know, we've still got a six, conceded six less than any other team. So mm-hmm. we're, giving, we're giving ourselves a good chance. We've got good home games coming up. Uh, we're actually going to do a podcast, I think, next week with having a, a detailed look at the run-in and seeing seeing how it might go and which games we might, we might want to target. But we've got Spurs and Brighton and Man United all at home. Um, so we've picked... We've, clicked into gear just at the right time uh, and I think that's a, a good reflection of where we're at uh, and we deserve to be where we are absolutely on merit so got to throw you another bus a little bit here then Jack there's 36 points left to play for if my maths is correct um, 12 games to go out of those 36 points available what do you think it's going to take to get Champions League football what's your ceiling limit effectively um, I did a I did a um, predictor thing for the whole season <laughs> the other day, uh, and it took quite a while because you're predicting every result. But I think I had us on 66 points, uh, level with Spurs and Brighton, um, but behind Liverpool by a point. I think I had them on 67, and I had them in fourth. I'm usually a little bit pessimistic when I do predictions about Newcastle, though, because I don't want to jinx us. So I think... <laughs> If we can get around the 67 or 68 point mark, so what you're looking at another 20, 21 points, um, seven wins out of the last 12, I think that might be doable. enough to do it. Yeah, doable with the fixtures we've got. Um, so I think if we can get around that mark, uh, Liverpool have been inconsistent this season, uh, but they've got some quite good fixtures. Uh, Spurs have been shit all season, but are somehow still in fourth. Uh, yeah. So I'm su- I'm surprised I'm a bit surprised that they're so high. But Brighton are good as well and in good form as well. So I think it's between the, those teams. I think Brentford and Fulham and Chelsea are probably a little probably going to drop off a little bit. Or I don't think Chelsea are going to um, be able to catch us now. Um, hopefully that's not famous last words because we've got them on the last day of the season. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I think if we can get around the 67, uh, 66, 67 point mark. I think that might be enough for us. And I think that that might have been enough in the last few seasons for fourth. Um, I'm not sure, but it's, yeah. it's around that mark anyway. Right, it is. So, just before we wrap this up, just going to get your man of the match for this game. Um, Probably Isak. Well, Isak, yeah, because he scored the two goals uh, and he completed 90 minutes for us, which was which was good. Um, There was... So it was good performances. Trippier was good again. Murphy was really good. And Murphy yeah. Murphy created five chances. I saw that stat. Uh, he created five chances. Uh, created so more had, than the uh, entire Forest squad. Forest team, yeah. So I think he had a really good game as well. But when you score two goals and, and an assist, I'm going to give him the assist as well for Anderson's goal. Uh, I would say that Isak was the man of the match with honourable mention for Murphy. And also Anderson as well, who obviously had his best game for us when he came on. Yeah, um, hard to disagree with that one. So I'm going to go with uh, Isak as well. Um, but that just about wraps uh, this podcast up for today. It's another three points. Uh, Eddie and his mighty mags continue to march and charge to that Champions League spot. We are hot on the heels of Spurs and Man United. The next Premier League game is going to be an absolute barnstormer at St. James's Park when we uh, host... Man United there, a little bit of revenge from the, the League Cup final, wouldn't go amiss, we'll go above them in the table, and we could be sat in third by the next time we do our next review. How good would that sound, Jack? That would be absolutely 
fantastic. But yeah, after after the little the little blip of hard and the little rut, just to come out of that and to have this break now uh, with on the back of two wins, uh, mm-hmm. I think I think it was just as important to get these wins as the earlier in the season when we'd only won one and seven and we went to Fulham and we beat Fulham and Brentford. And they yeah. those wins those wins kick started our season, um, and I think that these two could have a, a similar effect, and it just gives us such a good launch pad for the last twelve games. So yeah, and it, and it's given us a good Saturday here in uh, in Australia, and it's given everyone in the UK a nice Saturday to wake up to as well. So everyone's happy. Absolutely, absolutely. Long may I continue. So we will leave it there. Uh, but before I do, just want to thank everyone who has watched on YouTube, everybody who has listened on the audio channels, whether it be Spotify, Apple Music, whichever that may be. Again, if you don't already, please like, comment and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give us a five-star rating on all the audio platforms as well. Uh, follow us on Twitter at TuneUnderPod. We are also on Facebook and Instagram under the same handle. Uh, come and say hello. You can see my and Jack's Twitter handles on screen right now. So I'm at Jordy and Oz 85 and Jack is Jack Stanley 86. Come and give us a follow. We'll follow you back. And again, we will see you on the next one. And thanks very much uh, for joining me today, Jack. Come on, the mags. Cheers. Cheers, Craig. Have a good one. See ya. See you later, mate.